Thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Crossroads. We are glad you took the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can find out more information at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends. Let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, Here's this week's podcast. Well, thank you, Joy and worship team, for leading us in that great song. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the cross where you have died. And just a reminder that. He should be all that we want because he's all that we need. Somebody needs to hear that today. That he's all that you need. Because the world is going to tell you other things. And they're going to entice you to say, well, there's better things over here. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus plus nothing is all that you need. As we continue our series in the book of James today, I want to uh, let you know that our West Virginia team did make it uh, there safely uh, yesterday and uh, have already uh, been doing some ministry. Uh, Even yesterday as they got there and they set up tables and uh, had a bunch of produce that Pastor Jim had picked up and uh, they had folks uh, there. Coming up from the community and uh, getting their fill of uh, fresh vegetables. And uh, so I know that uh, these next couple days uh, the ministry will continue and looking forward to hearing what God has done there. So uh, continue to pray for them. They'll be coming back uh, Wednesday evening. And so um, we're looking forward to, to there. So, but I told Pastor Jack that we were praying for them and uh, uh, praying for those that are there serving uh, this week in the name of Jesus. So uh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever found yourself in conflict with someone or something? Now, I know some of you are like, no, you know, my life is just great. You know, so, but if we're honest with ourselves... The answer is most definitely yes. For those of us that have siblings, uh, there is always conflict abounding, right? Um, even when things are going well, conflict is just around the corner or just on the other side of the hill. For those of you that are parents, uh, you say, my life is uh, in the midst of conflict daily. Uh, I remember... You know, because sometimes it may be that, you know, you're wanting something and uh, your sibling, your brother, your sister's wanting something else, or you're saying one thing and they're saying another. And uh, if you were in the Carruth household growing up, uh, because mom let us endure uh, the wonderful sport of wrestling, uh, or if you're from uh, Roebuck, it's wrestling. Um, and so it would turn into uh, wh- whatever move we saw on the most recent thing, whether it was a, the figure four or the DDT or uh, just a, a pile driver, you know, or uh, whatever you could pick up, uh, you know. So um, 
But it seemed like there was conflict in the house all the time. And in James chapter 4, we get here, and uh, I'm going to go back to the uh, last part of chapter 3 where Pastor Jack left off and read these before we get into chapter 4. It says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, remember that word, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. And as we come into James chapter 4, we're going to see that conflict is nothing new in our day. Conflict has been around uh, since the beginning of time. Uh, If we go back to Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden when Eve, um, who was tempted by Satan himself, and all thought that uh, she knew better than God, and there for a brief moment took the fruit and uh, the fracture between the relationship and man began. And so we see that there was always conflict. It wasn't something that's new. Today it was happening in James' time as well. And it wasn't in the home. Uh, shocker, there was conflict in the church. Oh my goodness. Now that doesn't happen here at Crossroads, I know. But, uh, but at other places, and all I'm, I've heard you know, of conflict. Um, and let's be honest. When we look back at the conflict that either we've been a part of or that we've heard about within the church, it's ridiculous uh, what conflict has arisen from the color of bathroom walls to the color of carpet uh, and things like that because that all matters to a lost person who doesn't know Jesus. But we got to have it just right or... and. We got to have it my way. And that's where conflict arises. But I know that shocks you today to hear that there's conflict within the church. And a lot of times it's because somebody is wanting one thing and another person is wanting another, or somebody's saying one thing and another person is saying another. And then you have this conflict of battle going back and forth. And really what it comes down to is two immature people wanting their way. Or wanting their voice to be heard. And it has nothing to do with Jesus. And the world looks at it. And, and they hear about those things. And they say. And you want me to want that. So let's get into James chapter 4. Verse 1. He starts off with a question. He says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he, he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That's why Scripture said God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Now there's three things that I just want to take a a little bit of time to explore today with you that we see in these first eight verses of James chapter 4. And the first one we see right there in verse 1. And we see, let's explore the conflict here. There's fights and there's quarrels going on amongst the people in the church. Now, here's where conflict really comes into play. In most opportunities and most situations, conflict arises within the church because you have a believer who loves Jesus and who's trying to live for him. And then you've got somebody else who's a part of the church, but they're a part of the church, but they're not a part of the family of God. You understand that? It is very possible that in this room today that there are people that are members of the church, but they're not a member of the family of God. Now, it shouldn't be that way, but that's the way it is. And uh, there are people, uh, Warren Wiersbe says this in his commentary in the book of James. The very first line says this, not everyone who grows old grows up. Just because we, we may grow older in age doesn't mean that we grow up in our maturity. Just because we are a believer in Christ doesn't mean that we automatically become a mature believer in Christ just because we've made that profession of faith. And in many situations, we see conflict arise within the church because of an immature believer that may be older, but yet not wiser. You see, you can grow older, but you may not grow up. If, and that's where the source of conflict comes into play. James begins the chapter with a question to the church. He simply asks, what is it that's causing the dissension, the fighting among them? Now, I remember when we were younger... Uh, and I want to take you back when you were younger, when uh, your mom and dad hears all the fussing and fighting going on down the hallway in the room, and they come in and you hear these words, what's going on in here? Or better yet, what's the problem? James is basically saying that, and uh, he's getting to the point, he's saying, he says, what's the problem? What is it that is causing all this commotion and he answers he asks the question not because he doesn't know the answer but just to kind of get their attention in the second part of verse one he gives the answer he says don't they come from your desires that battle within you you see once the conflict is pointed out, then we can get to what's causing the conflict. And here in this passage, there's two types of conflict that we see. One, we see the conflict with other people. And the second conflict is the conflict within ourselves. The conflict within oneself. So many times in my life, I can look back and see where conflict has arisen, whether it be at our house or uh, or be at work, or whether it be, I know, conflict in all church, at the work, you know, doesn't happen. No, it does. Uh, and a lot of times it happens when we get our focus off. 
You know, uh, it can happen. I, I've seen it happen um, in my life. I've, I've heard it happen uh, over countless uh, lunches or breakfasts with uh, people within the church and even people within the staff. And so we have the conflict here. And the second thing that we see, not only do we have the conflict, but then he goes on and he gets to the source of the conflict, which is our second point. In verses, uh, the second part of verse 1 and, and following through verse 4, he says, You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. And when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives because that you may spend what you get in your pleasures. Now, the easy answer when we say, well, what is the source of conflict? What is the source of the, the quarreling that's going on within the church? What is the source of conflict between two people uh, who are supposed to be followers of Christ? And the easy answer, the Sunday school answer that we could throw out is, it's not Jesus, okay? Uh, that's, that's one of the Sunday school answers. And, uh, you know, you ask the little kids in class, and, uh, well, you know, who loves you? And, uh, Jesus. And, uh, well, who hates you? Jesus. You know, every, every, everything is Jesus, right? The second, but the other Sunday school answer that we like to throw out is, obviously, the answer, easy answer to the question about the cause of the conflict and the source of the conflict is sin. But James wants to go a little bit deeper. What sin is it? What is it that is causing the conflict? Which sin is it that's causing the conflict? So James digs deeper to expose the root of what's causing the conflict. And he answers them by saying that the conflict among them is rooted in their desires and pleasures within their heart. It's a, there's, their desires that are selfish. And we'll see a little bit later, pride. Uh, and remember, pride is the thing that got the devil kicked out of heaven uh, and uh, placed where he is uh, today and because he thought that he wanted to be God or that he could be God. You see, these desires, unfortunately, these desires leave us unfulfilled. How many times have... We, could we have avoided conflict if we wouldn't have allowed the conflict within ourselves of selfishness or pridefulness uh, to come and enter our life or to dictate our decisions? But isn't it so true in our lives and our own conflicts both physical and spiritual, if we dig down to the root of it, we would find selfishness. The reasons that we want something, the reasons that we do certain things, when, con when it brings about conflict, it's about selfishness. It's about wanting our way. It's about wanting the service to be the way that we want it, the music the way that that we like and our preferences and uh, the message to be preached one certain way as opposed to the other. It's a selfishness.
but in our own lives when we come back. We see the moments of conflict within our lives, within our relationships, within our friendships, when there's dissension and quarrels and fights. More times than not, at the root of it, is our own selfish desires. And James is pointing that out here. He says you want something, but you don't get it. So when you don't get it, then you go further uh, in those selfish desires. And that leads to um, what he says, uh, hatred. Uh, it even, he even uses the word murder. He says you kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. It's our desires that are selfish and prideful. But understand this. We have to come to the grips to understand this one fact. That selfish living always leads to conflict. Selfish living always leads to conflict. Why? Because it puts the attention on the wrong thing. It puts the attention on what we want and not what God wants. James continues on and he says, not only is it the selfish living that leads to conflict, but he tells them that even in their prayer life, there's conflict because they're asking with the wrong motive. Now, I'm sure no one in here today has ever prayed something and kind of masked a request uh, in prayer and all with the wrong motive. Because we're mature, right? We've always, you know, asked with the right motive. No, not really. I'm thankful to God that many of my prayers were answered with a no because of selfish praying. And praying with the wrong motive. God, if you'll just let me date this one girl in high school, oh my goodness, my life will be complete. You know, or God, if you'll just, if you'll just give me this. All right, young people, I'm dating myself, okay? If you'll just let me drive this candy apple red Honda Prelude 1989 and all. I mean, because that is the car that everybody, all the cool people drive. You know, man, I'll... It'll be great. My life will be wonderful. People want to ride in my car. And God says, no. I'm going to give you a car, but it ain't going to be a prelude. It's going to be a, be a baby blue Plymouth Turismo, and it's got a big den in the side. But it's going to get you back and forth to ball practice, and it's going to get you back and forth to church. You see, God always gives us what we need. Not what we want. Because God always knows what's best for our lives. Even in our prayer life, sometimes, we pray with the wrong motive. Let me ask you a question. When it comes to the church, when it comes to the growth that's happening here, when it comes to talking about some of the things that we've been talking about for last month, and all in your prayer life, has it been with the right motive or the wrong motive? Has it been more about what you want or what God wants? Because a lot of times, 
when we allow our selfish desires to come into play, and all our prayers will be with the wrong motive. You see, if, if I'm honest, as I'm getting older, I'm getting kind of set in my ways in certain things, and some things make me uncomfortable, uh, more uncomfortable than they did when I was younger. My fear of heights is continuing to increase, so when I go up, you know, about three or four levels uh, on, at the water park, and I look down, I'm like, my knees start shaking, and I'm like, oh man, I just hope, I, I just want to get down from here. You know, but you mask that, you know, with a smile so the kids don't say, what's wrong with you? Uh, you know, because you, you still want to be cool, but sometimes my prayer life is like more about me than it's about the people that need Jesus still. Just being honest. But the gospel is not only for me, it's for them. And if we need to do certain things a certain way, so that to reach them with the gospel, then why would I want to get in the way of God's plan? You see, not only is selfish living something that always leads to conflict, but when our praying is wrong, our whole Christian life is wrong. Because prayer is about God's will being done here on earth, not about man's will being done in heaven. Jesus himself modeled that in the garden. When he said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. I pray that in the days to come that that is constantly my prayer and my desire, that God's will be done, whether I'm comfortable or not, whether I understand it or not. But I just want to be in the center of God's will. So we have the conflict. We understand that there's fighting, there's dissension, there's quarreling among the people here in the church. We see the source of the conflict. And third, in verses 7 and 8, James gives them and he gives us the solution to the conflict. He says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You see, after addressing the issues of the conflict and the source of the conflict, James goes on and he says, But I have the answer, and so do you, but let me just remind you what the answer is. The source of resolving any conflict starts with submitting to God. Submitting your will to God. A shocker, the solution to, to any conflict in our life has to do with God. It has to do with allowing God to influence our lives, to saturate our lives, our desires, our wills, our wants, and our needs. 
it begins and it ends with God. And I know for some of us that have grown up in the church, that sounds so simple, but sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. That the cause to any conflict in your life begins and it ends with God. Period. James reminds the readers that the solution begins with submitting to God and His desires. It means getting up under God's will and taking, taking our will and putting it under God's will. You know, let me put it this way. It's kind of like when you're driving and you're getting ready to get on the interstate and you're coming down this, this little area of the road called the exit ramp. And, uh, or you're kind of getting on that ramp. And it's just kind of a, a small road. It's going to end because you've got two or three lanes of traffic. If you're in Atlanta, it's like four lanes. And it's going really, really fast. And uh, you better be ready to, to merge into that traffic or something bad's going to happen. Because when you're coming onto the interstate, you have to merge. And sometimes you have to adjust your speed and you have to adjust your timing so that you can get in the flow of traffic and all that's going all the same way. God has the right of way. And so many times in our lives, submitting to God is basically just merging our life up under the authority of God. Who has the perfect plan for your life and my life. And if we will submit to that, we will merge our desires and our life into God's plan for our life. Great things can happen. So he says, submit to God. But then he goes on a little bit further and he says that we're to resist the devil. He says, not only resist the devil, he says, resist the devil, and he reminds us, and he will flee from you. James reminds us that as a follower of Jesus, we have the power within us to tell the devil to flee from us, and he'll actually flee. We have a perfect example of that in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus is being tempted, and as this temptation is going on with with. Satan, where Satan's trying to tempt Jesus to do this, do that. And, and reminder, when Jesus battles Satan's temptations, it's always worth the word. Because the word is powerful. It's alive and active. And he reminds us that we actually have the power to tell the devil to flee. So how do we res- resist the devil? You say, how do you do that? Three ways. One, the first, and it's very basic, but it's, but it's so true. We have to acknowledge that he actually exists. In order to resist the devil, you have to acknowledge that he actually exists. He's not some just little cartoon figure that we see on TV that kind of pops up on your shoulder and does a little dance and he's trying to pull you this way and all that. No, he actually exists. Just as Jesus exists. You know, and nothing that the devil's doing is for your good. It's not for my good. He may make it look good and he may make it look appealing. 
but it's not for our good. And on the New Testament, you know, we read that uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not your friend. He may make it look like that so that he can entice you to do the things that he wants you to do. But he's not your friend. He's wanting to devour you. He's wanting to destroy you. You say, and the reason why is because his future has already been determined. And he's wanting to take as many people along with him as possible. So we have to acknowledge that he actually exists. The second thing is we have to be aware of his activities, the temptations, the false accusations that he throws our way. When we, when we fall and we stumble in our faith, he's the first one to come and accuse us. And, oh, well, well, you're not a follower of Jesus. Because if you were, if you were, if you were a true believer, you wouldn't have done that. You're not a believer. Thank goodness Jesus comes to our rescue every time. And he says, he goes before the Father and he says, and oh, this is one of mine. I'm thankful for that. So we have to be aware of his activities. We have to be aware of the temptation to slander. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in, in small groups in just a little bit. And then the third thing is that we must stand firm against his attacks in the name of Jesus. Because in the name of Jesus, Satan has no power to do anything but flee. In the name of Jesus, he has no power over us. In Ephesians chapter 6, in the talking about the armor of God, we read these words in verse 14 of chapter 6. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. we got to put on the full armor of God each and every day so that we can stand firm when those temptations, when we can stand, so we can stand firm when those false accusations come our way, when we, when we make a mistake because just for a brief moment, we went back to giving in to our flesh and those selfish desires. But in the name of Jesus, Satan has no power at all. And if you are a follower of Jesus today, then you have the power within you to tell the devil to flee, and he has no option but to flee. Somebody in this room needed to be reminded of that today. You see, when we submit to God and we resist the devil, he goes on in verse 8 and he says, to draw near or to come near, your translation may say. Come near to God and he will come near to you. When we submit to our own desires, there's conflict. But when we submit to God, there we find what we're really looking for. We find joy and we find peace. Knowing that what we're doing 
is what God would want us to do. But he, he does. He says, come near to God and he will come near to you. How incredible to know today that the God of the universe wants to draw near to us. With all of our filth, with all of our struggles, with all of the things that, that we try to hide from other people, that, that battle within us, God still wants to draw near to us. Why? Because He loves us. Somebody may be here today thinking, man, you don't know what I've done in my life. You don't know the struggles. You don't know the past that I have. I may not, but God does. And He still wants to draw near to you. He still wants you to draw near to Him. My question as we close today is this. James chapter 1 We talked in verse 22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. So my question to you today, when it comes to submitting to God and resisting the devil, when it comes to kind of merging into God's plan for our life, will you just hear the word from God today or will you do something about it and be a doer of the word? The theme of James that we have is faith in action. And I want to encourage you today. I want to challenge you. Are there things in your life? Do you need to take action? Do you need to put your faith in action today? Because faith is not meant to be stagnant. It's meant to move forward. Forward in maturity forward in growth, forward in just watching God do incredible things in your life simply because daily you make the decision that I'm going to submit to God and not to my flesh. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for this opportunity to come and open up your word. to hear the truths and be reminded that the simple solution of conflict within our lives, within our homes, within our church begins and ends with submitting to you. So, Father, I pray that in Jesus' name that the devil would flee from this place right now. Father, I pray that if there are people in this room that need to submit certain areas of their life or their life in general to Jesus, Father, I pray that they will put that in action today. That they will take that first step to drawing close to you and submitting their life unto you. In your name we pray. Amen. As we come to this time of response, I don't know what your week's been like. I know what mine's been like. 
And I know that sometimes that even as a minister, there are times that I need to redirect and adjust my life to make sure that I'm submitting to God. Is there something in your life today that you just need to give to God? Maybe in prayer. The altar's going to be open. I'm going to be down here. I'm going to ask Corey if he'll come and stand with me. And if you need to do business with God today, I encourage you. The first step to resolving the conflict in your life is submitting to God and admitting that you need Him. Let's stand. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message from Crossroads. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. The last year has been one of chaos and confusion, and we know many have become isolated and lonely. You can get Pastor Jack's new book, The Loneliness Solution, Finding Meaningful Connection in a Disconnected World, a great resource that will help you or you can give to a friend who might be struggling. This resource is also available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.